Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Left of Straight Show live from Palm Springs. We are on day number six of our eight-day big gay road trip extravaganza here in Palm Springs, California. Thanks for tuning in. We are here live from the Indulge Resort in Palm Springs. Big shout-out to our host, John Sandy, and, of course, Raymond, the manager, making us feel very well at home here. Uh, Blue skies, mountains, lots of sunshine. We're having a great time. If you missed yesterday's show, I have some fantastic guests, Del Shores, Emerson Collins, of course, from Sorted Lives and Rent Live on Fox, Justin Martindale, comic and from UTV on Where's the Fashion? What's the fashion? Sorry, Justin. Uh, Be sure to check out all of our episodes that are here on all of your favorite podcasts. I mean, we're on iHeart and iTunes and Google Podcasts and all those fun things, Spotify, wherever your favorite podcasts are given freely. So be sure to follow us. Check out all of our shows. Today, I'm so excited. We have a good friend of the show, Jason Stewart, coming back again. Jason, how are we doing today? I'm fine. I'm here with swimming pools and movie stars. Woohoo! We are in Beverly Hills East. Beverly Hills East, Palm Springs. I guess so, yeah. There you go. And with us we have Matt Wall, my best buddy here from Finding Cupid Radio, Lululemon, and so much other things. How are we doing, Maddie? Hi. I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have both of you guys here. We were supposed to have a couple other guests that had a little car problem. So we are going to just give you an hour's at least worth of fun, exciting radio, and then we're going to turn over to a pre-tape interview with two good friends, that do the Filmmakers Gallery here in Palm Springs. They do a weekly Tuesday night event over at Quads, one of the LGBT bars here, where they do fantastic tributes and uh, film series to different stars and celebrities. Tonight they're doing a tribute to Doris Day, so they're going to be putting together a lot of clips from her TV show and her movies and her songs. That'll be going on. Jason, I, I think you got, just got a book for that. I was, uh, I was back there last night, and I said to some kid, you, you know who Doris Day is? And he said, no. <laughs> no. Well, we are old, Jason. Did you know Rock Hudson is? We were showing a thing for Phil Effect, and then they said, no. <laughs> That's sad. And I explained to him that was the beginning of the first romantic comedy. They were the, the Julia Roberts, you know, of that. Of that exactly. Time. No, we, we are old. But uh, I don't know why they don't understand these people. These are classic. Yeah, I'm booked to do it an evening with Jason Stewart uh, October 22nd, so it's quite a ways off. But that would be amazing, though. They do a great job. They put these clips together. They pull them from everywhere. And you have 
have stuff everywhere, my friend. I've seen clips for you all over the place. And they find these things, and they put together a great narrated piece. They do it like two, two and a half hours retrospective. So it's really very honored to their people. So I think you're going to have a lot of interviews, too. You're talking. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're talking. So they do that, and they do a monthly event at the Palm Springs Cultural Arts Center, also known as the Camelot Theater, which actually the Camelot's now part of the Arts Center over there. And they do a big retrospective every month and invite guests in from all over. I was able to go last Wednesday to an event they had for our good friend, um, Billy, Billy Cliff. They did the 10-year anniversary of his show, uh, Baby film. Jane. Film. Yeah, his film, Baby Jane. It's a film that uh, is basically a, a complete frame-by-frame uh, redo of whatever happened to Baby Jane. It's amazing. And I went to his second film, Hush Up, Sweet Charlotte which was uh, a parody of the film with Barbara Jean Merman and Big Soul. It's, it's so much fun. They do great work. And I think he's getting ready to do the third in the trilogy. That's what we hear. So we'll That's see what happens. That's what we hear. We had Billy on last dead, week to dead, talk dead, about it. He says ringer. it's coming. Dead, 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 dead ringer. You're right. Now, Billy is so busy, though. He's, all he's doing is editing and producing and directing so many projects right now. That's what he, he just he, got nominated for an Emmy. For he a daytime did. Emmy. Daytime Emmy. Good going, Billy Cliff. The Advocate. It was, the advocate, it was amazing. The, uh, the, I guess the 50th year of The Advocate, I think it was. 50th Year Advocate, Long Journey Home, right. talked about the Black Cat Riots, which were actually before Stonewall. I didn't know anything about until I saw their film. a little bit of that, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of wild. They were one or two years before Stonewall. One year. It was kind of the same thing, where it was like right. people in Silver Lake were just not having it, right? Right. Pretty crazy. It was a great film. So we're going to have them on that is Stephen Roche and Paul um, Belcito. Yeah, Belcito. Um, so they'll be on. We're going to do a pre-tape interview. I talked to them earlier today. We're going to play that at the end of the show today. But uh, if you are in Palm Springs, they'll be starting in just about an hour, at 6 o'clock, I think. Um, 5 o'clock. Oh, 5 o'clock. That's right. They start at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Over at Quads, which is, I forget what it used to be called. You remember what it used to be called there, the Quads Who bar? Remember? It was started with an F, so. But it's in, it's in the gay Why district. Why do you want to tell them to go someplace else that's not there? Well, a lot of people might not know. Yeah, maybe they might old know people. it. They're old. They, they <laughs> only remember something. Yeah, but it's called Quad. Go to a place that doesn't exist now. It's Caddy Corner from Hunters. Go Caddy Corner. Right. That's all there is. People know it. Across the street from the street bar. So it's only one block of gay bars. They can't miss. Throw a stick, <laughs> you're going to hit it. It's not that hard. But it's called Quad. I don't want to throw a stick. Well, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of glass around. <laughs> Oh, it's getting so quickly going downhill. Hey, everybody, I need a shout-out to my sponsors who helped get me here. A big shout-out, Pink Banana Media. If you own or think about owning an LGBT business, they are a great resource for promotion, for social media. Matt Scalarod, based in New York. Fabrice Descendo, based here in L.A. They have offices both in New York and L.A. Yeah. Really? No. Oh, yeah, they were good friends. I did not know that. Yeah. That's funny because yeah, I knew that Fabrice did here and Matt. I didn't know the backstory. Yeah, Matt, you didn't tell me the downright stuff we were talking. They were younger when I first met them. Yeah. Very cool. They do great work for any LGBT business. They are doing a big New York Pride Business Expo while everything while everything else is happening in Pride. If you miss Stonewall, World Pride, NYC Pride, go to Matt Gallery and Pink Banana Media. New York City Media Week that they're having the 22nd through 27th or something. I'll be in New York then. Great. Are you doing a panel for them? Uh, no one's asking yet. 
give Matt a call. Matt, give Jason a call. He's available. I'll be in New York. I'm doing uh, two days at the Broadway Comedy Club, the 27th and the 29th. And then I'm going to be in the uh, Freedom Show on the 24th. I'm going to do a little guest spot on that. Very cool. Terry Ray and Mel are there. They're bringing electricity for two nights. First time the public can see it in New York. They've gone for a couple of producer outings to get some uh, backing and some funding. This is the first time the public can go see electricity. So if you go to electricitytheplay.com, look for Terry and Mel. I think they're the 27th, 29th, somewhere. Terry right. Ray and Mel England. Terry Ray and Mel England. I bring Terry wrote the play and produced it, and both of them stars. It, it's well, it's a fantastic play. So much so. So big shout out again to Pink Banana Media. Also to the I Love Gay Twitter 360 network. Um, if you follow all the I Love Gay, they have I Love Gay LGBT, I Love Gay Travel, I Love Gay Palm Springs. They have been hashtagging the heck out of us for the last two months and making sure that we're trending on social media. So thank you to the hashtag I Love Gay 360 Twitter network. Of course, the Now Trending app, which is part of Hillcrest Social in San Diego, they've been pushing all of our content all month long. So be sure to download the Now Trending app on your phone, part of Hillcrest Social out of uh, San Diego. They talk about all events happening in L.A., San Diego, here in Palm Springs, a great group of people to follow. We have some lovely gift bags for all of our guests coming to the show today. I want to give a big shout-out to CBT Candle. They put some great candles in there, a nice little CBD body oil for the aches and pains that we are all facing in our age uh, aging group here. Um, Kathy's Confections makes some amazing prize cookies that they gave to us. Uh, Damn it, I ate one. Huh? Did you already have one? Is Damn it. it. Good. Good stuff. Very exciting. Nice little sugar cookie. And then Patches O'Hool is from my neck of the woods in Columbus, Ohio. If you're any part of the LGBTQI, LMNOP, Rainbow, they have a patch for anything you decide to claim to be part of. You can go to patchesohool.com in Columbus, and they will mail you any kind of part of the rainbow you want to be a part of. They have a patch or a pin for it. So thanks to them. And finally, to my good friends, Dennis and Zoan, great allies of the community in Las Vegas. They are my childhood best friends, guys, from seven or eight years best friends in California where I grew up here. They have their own embroidery business called Embroidery to You. They made my little logo on my bag and gave me some hats and fun things. So thanks to Dennis and Zoe out there in uh, Las Vegas. So that's everybody. Everyone else I didn't thank, thank you. Appreciate it. We're glad to be out here. Guys, I want to start out with some group questions I've been asking everybody that's been on the show this month. We are in Pride Month. Last year I was here, here in August. This year I'm here for Pride Month. So tell me, what is your coming out story to yourself? When did you first come out to yourself? And what does pride mean to you now? Go. Um, I think when I really, like, fully said, this is me, there's no turning back, I was a little bit older in my life. I was maybe 20. Through 20, 22 or 23, I was a freshman in college. I was getting some math tutoring by this guy, and I was tutoring him in English. And we were in his apartment room. Tutoring is not in quotes, boys and girls. While you read it, yeah, not in quotes. I, I had never done anything like sexually with a guy, and we 
just he put on porn on his computer, and I had never seen porn before. This was in two thousand two, maybe. Okay. Like internet's a thing, but I had never like experienced that. And he put it on, and it, one thing led to another, and then um, I remember leaving his house thinking that was one so scary, two amazing, and <laughs> this this is like a new me. Because I liked it, and I don't want to not ever do that again. Like, I want to keep. <laughs> and I think that's the first time I really thought, like, this could be something. So I was, I was rather old. But. And then, yeah. But so, so that's when you came out to yourself yeah, then. I did. And, and how did you, how did you, pro- how were you processing that? It was terribly scary. I was living in Salt Lake City at the time. I was really, really Mormon. And um, I was I was scared but excited. Scared just thinking, like, this is now this big secret that I think I need to keep from, you know, my religious family and right. people that maybe won't accept that. So, so you got to go back and list a couple of Matt's passages. We talked all about that. You were in a very religious family. Yes. And, uh, uh, went through what a lot of our friends did here on the show. And what does pride mean to you? Pride means, I think, fully being able to be unapologetically yourself all the time. Um, standing up for, like, what you think is right, I think is pride. Whether it's someone in line at Starbucks next to you or standing up for your best friend in that kind of need. Like, really fully being yourself. I think that a lot of people think that they still don't think that they know anyone in the LGBTQ family, and they really do. And you, we can only change minds by allowing others to see like who we fully are, right? And speaking up for us and our community. In yeah, cool. a Lululemon sweatshirt. In a Lululemon sweatshirt that says "Proud and Present." I actually have a Lululemon T-shirt. It's our Pride. It's Pride Month, as you said, and we are doing a lot of pride events and we made sure that it said proud and present and I freaking love it that we are out there and championing rights for <laughs> um, you know I, I would say underprivileged that's going to be part of my next question I want to talk about corporations and pride and is it a takeover is it a good thing we'll talk about that in a second let's do Jason's story first when did you come out to yourself and what does pride mean to you well, for those who don't know me, I'm an actor and a comedian, and I have been an actor and a comedian for most of my life. Uh, I came out on television on the Geraldo show in 1993, and I think that's when I came out publicly, and I think that at that time, uh, not a lot of people had come out. There was no Rosie or Ricky or Alan. And, okay. uh, I think that... I remember being at actual gay pride in West Hollywood. It was 1992, I believe. And I saw Ellen DeGeneres, who I had opened for years before, and I'd known her. I think recently I had done a benefit with her for something. And I saw her walk up with this woman, and she was on the escalator going to the Beverly Center, which is a big mall in Los Angeles. And I had parked my car there and, and went to walk to pride. And I said, oh, hey, Ellen. And she goes, hey, Jason. And she was wearing, you know, a tank top and shorts. And she had a girlfriend that was sort of sporty looking, wearing a, you know, a, 
just like you have the baseball cap backwards. And once you hit 40, you have to stop doing that once you know it's a rule. I also have one year. One year left. <laughs> and you just look stupid. Um, <laughs> so Ellen was there, and I remember saying hi. We chatted for a second about nothing, and I said, hey, how were you just as pride? And she goes, oh, no, I can't do that. And I said, why? She said, well, then, you know, there's cameras everywhere, and video, and and I thought to myself, man, she's afraid that she's going to be in the crowd. And she was probably as famous as I am now. And she was afraid that somebody would see her and that her career would be over in 1991-92. It made a big impression upon me. And then the next year, I came out of the Geraldo show. And I guess, uh, personally, when did I know I was gay? So for those who don't know, uh, I have a book that just dropped this week called Shut Up, I'm Talking. And my mom gave me the name of that title. And the subtitle of Coming Out in Hollywood and Making It to the Middle, which are two titles. Don't call my later questions, but okay, we'll plug. We'll plug. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I'm kidding. The, the subtitle is one is taken from the lecture that I did for years and one is taken from my stand-up special, which has got me uh, – picked up for its 10th anniversary on Here TV. It's playing there now. And um, in the book, there's a, uh, a chapter called, uh, it used to be called, when I first wrote it and performed it, it was called The Dating Game. And now it's called The Last Train to, Sex- to uh, Heterosexuality Stops Here. And in 1979, I did The Dating Game as a, as a contestant. And I remember going on the show and being so nervous and thinking I was so fat. And, <laughs> and I just, God, I wish I had that body again. How old were you in 1979? I'm not going to tell you, and that's a very rude thing to ask. Oh, that's the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, I was very young. We're outing everyone's age. You had five. People can look it up and figure it out. Let's not do math. I don't do, <laughs> I don't do math. I'm an artiste. <laughs> So I was on the show, and I was honestly, I was very young, and I had my hair parted down the middle, and it was layered. And I remember I had just gotten done doing a Shakespeare play, Coriolanus, and my line in, in the play was, When saw you, sir, has the porter's eyes in his ears to gain interest to such companions? Pray you get out. I don't know what that really means. <laughs> I used that as my last question, and she said, What would you say to me? on a date, and I was so funny and so crazy, and I had all my questions, my answers lined up whether they met, whether they, whether they matched with the questions or not. Oh, that's but, fine. And I won the date. And the girl that I had been seeing at the time, Lisa, who lived in a house on the block where the car was on cinder blocks in her driveway, and when you'd open the door, you could see her grandfather sitting at the end of a long hallway watching you know, the price is right probably on a Magnavox TV set with boxes everywhere. And she was this odd gal. And I, when I went on the dating game date, uh, we got a free trip to Mexico. And the girl who was on the show was an actor like me and did the show so she could get union scale. So we both did it just to make money. That's funny. And she didn't want to go on a date with a crazy guy like me. She had a boyfriend. And I supposedly had a girlfriend, which I did at the time. I was 19, and I went on a date with her, and we got to Mexico City, and I remember we had a chaperone who happened to be a guy named Frankie Baraka, who was a friend of mine, 
was also gay, and I was supposed to share my room with him, but I insisted on sharing the room with her because I was practicing to become a heterosexual. You know, <laughs> I was very committed to my job, and she wouldn't have sex with him because she was so mad at me the whole time. And I think it's because I was gay because I was so enamored with everything else but her. And I remember Frankie had set up a tour of this incredibly beautiful opera house and art and museum in front of it. And we met these two beautiful Mexican boys. One of them looked like Isai Morales. And I will never forget it. Never forget it. I looked at him and I remember the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I, and I felt like I just couldn't breathe and my throat got dry. And Frankie saw that I saw him and he saw me. And we all decided that we were going to go to this gay bar <laughs> to go dancing to, to experience what that would be like. None of us had ever done that, of course. And I, and I remember Lisa was so mad. She looked like she was going to rip my head off. And we went to meet them that, later that night. And I remember the guys never showed up. You're kidding. And I remember that I danced my last dance with Lisa there. And we drove home. After when we got back to Mexico, I dropped her at her house. Her grandfather was still sitting in this lazy boy looking at the magna box. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm not gonna, I guess I can't be straight. <laughs> and then around 15 or 20 years later, Frankie was visiting. He had moved to New York. And Frankie was visiting here. And we were having dinner at a soup plantation. And she walked over to the table, and I hadn't seen her in almost 20 years. And she goes, we've seen you on TV. I guess you're an actor now. And I said, yes. She said, well, I'm a doctor. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And I remember, and then I said, Lisa, I just want to say something to you. And she said, what? She said, I just want to say I'm sorry. And she said, you know, I said, I'm gay. She said, I knew it. And then you could see like a little tear in her eye. You could see that. And she turned to her mother, and her mother said, her mother was with her, and her mother said, Lisa! And she was from some weird country I never knew. She said, we must go. We have a lecture to get to. And, you know, and they just left. I never saw her again. But I always felt sort of bad, you know, that I had lied to her so much because she knew I was gay. Right. It seems like everyone seems to know before we admit it to ourselves. That that's happens. true. And more stories, I think that's the most commonality in all the stories. And there's a much longer version of that in my book. And more what? How? <laughs> kidding. And what is pride with you, Jason? Oh, well, I have a different feeling that this bitter youngster and I barely knows who Doris Day is. I, that, no, that was someone else who was talking. I know who Doris Day is. All right, and I want to say now it's okay. <laughs> Um, I think pride is about supporting the people who we stand on the shoulders of. It's about history. And I think it's really, really important to do that. Whether you like somebody's work or not, you know, as an artist, whether you're, uh, you know, a supportive person to whatever, uh, whoever this person is, there are people that walk the walk way before we did it, way before it was saved. You know, uh, in my comedy world, I can say Robin Tyler. I can say Kate Clinton. I can say Leah Delaria, who I spoke on the phone the other day. 
told her she was in my book, and she I called her and asked her to be on my radio show and call in. I could be able to call in now on it. And she said, how did you get my number? <laughs> like that. And she said, well, how did you get my number? I said, you gave it to me. She went, oh. That's right. And she had told me to call her publicist, or, you know, her manager, to, to, for him to tell me that she didn't want to do the show. Oh, my goodness. So, That's a little rude. Well, it was okay. It's just, it's, just, it's just where she's at. But I still, as I say, I absolutely adore her. I still do. And I remember... She's immensely talented. You I can't was, not I adore was, her. I was at Pride one year, sitting in a car. It was the year that I... It was 1995. I had my own car. It was when I was on uh, Comedy Central. I had a special for comedians. And I was on... It was out there in Hollywood, out there in San Francisco, and out there in New York. And I was in out there in Hollywood. And, and there was a big sign on the car, Jason Stewart, out there in Hollywood. And I remember Leah walked by and started laughing and screamed at me. And she said, well, she always screams at people. But she said, uh, why didn't you come out years ago? I said, and I took a long beat. And I went, you know, I didn't know I could. And that was the truth. It wasn't uh, an option. So I stand on the shoulders of that woman. And I will wonder about how she acts or what she does. I will still appreciate that she, what she went through so I can walk because she came out before me. People like Michael Greer, you don't even know, people don't know, and probably the whole cast of voices in the band, almost all of them were right. gay. Uh, at least four of them were gay. A lot of them are, had passed. And people like that, you know, people who just, you know, have given me the opportunity to be where I am. I, I used to I said something to a reporter once, and it got written in a lot of articles. I said, you know, when you break the ground, do you get to walk on it? Some people don't want you to, well, but I'm doing it. And that's pretty progressive. That's like why that. I wrote the book, honestly, yeah. and that's why I. Uh, that's what I feel about pride. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a big going to the disco dance, and you know. Uh, all that stuff. I'm just, I, I love the parade, but, it's not, but to me it's about, it's about respecting the people that came before us and remembering who we are and how we got here right. and what happened. I was watching um, Tales of the City, the new version on Netflix, and there's one episode where Brian Batt, Stephen Spinella, um, Dan Butler, all these wonderful uh, Charles Bush all these wonderfully openly gay actors were in this scene where one of the main characters goes to have dinner with his friend with his young boyfriend. And then somebody slips and says something, uses the word tranny, referring to a transgender person. And the younger guy says, well, that's very, you know, politically correct and very offensive. Right. And, demeaning. and some guy said, we're just talking among ourselves. And he goes on, he said, you don't understand. He, he, and the guy, the young, the young uh, person is, happens to be black, African American, and he said, "How can you say I don't understand?" And he said, "You have all this privilege." She says, "Because we're white." And Stephen Spinella does this incredible speech written by Armstead Moffat about what he had to do to to become a white privileged man, and I was just so moved by it, and I so remember. You know, being there because they're a little older than I am, and some of them, and they're like the generation before me. And 
demons in hell up there. Well, what about angels? Don't you think what about angels? Fuck. Can I say that, Gary? Yes, one. Okay. Fuck okay. angels in America. And he said that. And he said that. You know, he won two Tonys for both. One play right. for 40 and one for Best Actor. Uh, you know, it was sort of it was great that he got to do that. And, you know, certainly we don't want to call trans, transgender people that. And whether it be... That wasn't the point. It was much deeper than that. Right. Don't forget where you come from. And most people don't know where they come from. That's the problem. Well, it's so different now. And I, I'm kind of an amalgam of you three, of you two and my own views. I think, I agree 100% with Maddie. I think we pride means to me that we can now walk down hand in hand in the street. And still it's getting scared because it's current administration to do. But it's not but that we can walk hand in hand. We, we, it's never been that we can walk hand in hand anywhere in the United States. Ever. Right. We've never had that privilege. But now we can in some places. So, I mean, yeah. it's that, and we want to. We, we want to be able to. Right here in Palm Springs. Exactly. And so I, I like the celebration part of it, of what we could be and being who we are, our best gay selves. I also, with Stonewall, 50 years and everything, we have to, it started as a protest. Pride Month started as a protest. Somebody again did not even know what Stonewall was. Right. I mean, this, that Pride was a protest. So that's what, and it happened again kind of after Pulse. I think L.A. took the mantle and kind of made their pride after the Well, we did a resistance walk. Right, exactly. Right. So I think we, we have to remember the activism of it, and that it was actually a protest thing to be prideful, but we need to do the celebration of it now. Um, so I kind of couldn't see all of that. I really you were going to ask about the corporations? I want to go, yeah, I want to segue into the corporations because you work for a company that's very progressive. There's, we have a lot of companies cashing in on it now. I think a lot of them are very authentic. I think a lot of them are cashing in on it. I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on it. We'll start with your thought that I want to get to Lululemon where we have first-hand information. First thing is I'm not a fan of these corporations being in our parade in, in this. Um, it's just way, way too much. And I think that that's the problem with them. Is they believe that they should have their own votes and their own. This and they want to, and, and that's, that's not pride. Right. That's, if they want to give money, give money. Put it on cups. Give it to do it in a way that, that's not just standing in, in front of us. And I think it's really important because as it, women do this much better than we do. The lesbian women do it, and the trans people can do it much better than we do it. And the queer young people do it better than us. Gay men are probably the worst at this. We stand behind the skirts of women and we let them speak for us. And we do it everywhere, all the time. And it's, I love Lady Gaga. I love Streisand changed my life. I love Diana Ross. I love that Hitler. But I don't want them speaking for me. And I, I don't want to go to places where they speak for me. I don't think an ally should speak before we do. And as an older gay man, I think I have the right to say that now. I lost working for uh, the Atlantis Cruise, I heard, because of that, because I said that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want my, my first comedy CD was called Gay Comedy Without a Dress. The idea that we don't have a voice is really uh, wrong. I mean, you would never go to a, a BET event and have Barbara Streisand be the headliner. Right, right. 
you would never go to a Latin event and have Kenny Rogers. No, I see your point. No, very much. So. We don't do point. that, and we and I think I think that when we do do that as gay men, the message is is said that we're not as good, that we're not as interesting. Right. No, that's a good we point. Who we are, whether it be Adam Lampert or you know Billy Porter or anybody who's just as talented, right, or someone more masculine, you know. If that's if that's your uh, your your taste, but we don't do that. We'll, we'll only do it when we're naked. No, I agree. But what, go from Lululemon standpoint. What was their standpoint? Well, what have you learned working for them? This is the first year that I feel like every single clothing company has put out a pride line. Right. Like every, everyone, and it's a little bit surprising because. It's funny how it's not funny, but you you don't hear anything from yeah from you know corporations the whole year long, and then all of a sudden everything's rainbow, and they want to with Dream wants to capitalize on being gay. Which what's the taste of mouthwash is gay? It's just like (laughs) extra extra minty. (laughs) There was more protein. No, I, I was glad we didn't not. go there. I was wondering if we were going there. Okay. I don't know. I don't. Okay. I didn't buy it. I'm like, I, no, I don't care that I have the rainbow on it. Is it really extra minty? No, no. Oh, it just, it just, just has a wrapper. I just, I just think that corporations have to know their place. And when you, it's like when you go to, you see a movie, you see someone drinking a diet coke. That is much more interesting than seeing a commercial that's forced on you. Right. And I think that's that's what happens is that these corporations don't understand that, you know. When you have to watch something rather than you're going, oh, look at that. You know, Scott's wearing that really great, you know, shirt. Who's it from? It's from Lululemon. God, where'd you get that? And now they do. You, you'll watch Amazon does it the best. You'll click onto something and you'll go, oh, and that's that. Right. And, you can, and it's of your own choice. And I think that works much better than, than pushing yourself out in front. Oh, by the way, my book came out yesterday. It's called. <laughs> oh, boy. Finish up. I do. I do think it's important to to really I recognize think. who like are, are their proceeds, where are they going, like what are you doing with the money, or just putting it back into your pocket. I I would much rather buy and support something where proceeds go to a fund. I will speak on behalf of Lulam and like all of our proceeds and our bride money goes to the cover project which I think is great. Right. Um, also, to your point, the two events I am involved with this month, like all of the people who are planning it, hosting it, teaching the yoga, singing, they are all from the LGBTQ community. So we're not hiring straight people right. to come and speak on our behalf. Like, I'm very proud of that. Um, I do think that it is important to, before you buy that rainbow shirt from wherever, like, is this company doing something that will eventually help you and your community? Or are they just pocketing on that rainbow fanny pack that they made? Right. That's my point. Who wants a fanny pack? Exactly. Well, well yeah. I bought one. <laughs> I think you look fat. Well, you don't wear it on Not your Not in that wall, please. can't look fat. That was your... You Scott Fullerton, yeah, you don't want to do it. That's actually behind you don't need. But, no, my, my, I like your point where I think 
they need to put their money where the mouth is. I don't want them putting rainbow merchandise up for one month mm-hmm. and profiting off the LGBT community. If they want to do it and and not a piddly five or ten percent, but they want to do it and twenty five, fifty percent goes to Trevor Project, goes to an AIDS project, goes to something that benefits the LGBT community, rainbow it up, dude. Yeah. I mean, sell whatever you want, license whatever you want on it. But if you're just trying to make money off the LGBT community for one month and not, you're not backing it up at all, I think that's just pure pandering. And I yeah, what, I, what I'd rather do is, I don't care if they make all the money, but what I care about is who they hire and who works for them. That's what I care. And I also care that all the people that are gay aren't in lower positions, but they're in positions of power. Right. All these, yeah. And when I say gay, I mean LGBTQ. Yeah, that's another good point. Yeah, and that means more to me that somebody will have a career working for this company you know, because the company is going to make money, and they should do it any way they want in terms of, you know, trying you know, try to make money yeah. in the appropriate, like Christmas time, it's Christmas, it's Easter time, it's a, right. you know, Passover, it's prayer shawls, you know, they lose them, I don't know. <laughs> no, actually, don't do that. They don't like the Jews? What's wrong with them? Nah. But I mean, that doesn't bother me. What, what bothers me is that within a company, I've heard by so many people that when you are not the, the, the person, I was listening to the radio the other day telling us you, you said the same thing. I listened to Sirius Radio or Dash Radio. Right. And I was hearing that they said that black people, uh, a majority of black people in this country, are not able to move up because of these Fortune 500 companies that everyone is working for now. And there's a, uh, a birds of a feather white boy thing happening, you know. Right. That the best person doesn't always get the job. And when I, you know, my job as an actor, when I hear somebody, some casting director say, well, oh, we always hire the best people. Well, I think, I want to say, let's look at your show. I'd love to dissect that, but then I probably would never work again. In this. Right. But because they all think that they're doing that, and it's not true, though, they'll, they'll pick someone that, that's younger looking, or, or you look at a show, and have all, like you look at these Chicago shows. Everybody in that show is gorgeous and got a great body, and I know that any firefighter I've ever met is completely made up, eyelashes, hair, and everything, and it's going to be spray tan before she goes out to fight. Well, <laughs> you got to know who your audience is. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but, you know, of course, you, you see people, things, they, they watch it, but everybody on the show, they all look like these beautiful white models just painted different colors. Right. They look, they have white features. And that's the new thing now, is people of color, but they still want them to look very patrician, very Christian-looking, and very white, even if they're red or brown or yellow right. or any of the colors of different races. And, yeah, that's uh, very interesting, true. Oh, it is. So, so we have to be careful about how we and what we ask for. And certainly we want everything to be, uh, you know, inclusive. And I'm very excited about the idea of that changing in my industry so much of late. In the last two or three years, it's yeah. been amazingly uh, uh, strong. But hopefully, one day it would be nice where the, the, the best person gets the job. Exactly. Well, I'm glad to hear Lululemon is putting their money where their mouth is. They're backing up and doing proceeds. Yeah. I think that's important. And I think we just need to. I like your point, though, too. What is the company's background? HRC does that amazing scorecard every year uh, on how the companies work, uh, what companies are working good for you. Like Bert, I was surprised. I got a um, <clears throat> VIP tour to Warner Brothers Studios. I love going to motion picture studios because I'm a huge fan, obviously. So I've been to, done the VIP Paramount, done the VIP Universal. 
So I got invited as show host to a VIP tour of Burbank. And I was doing research on it. Warner Brothers was, for many years, getting a zero in the HRC score because of their diversity. They have some television shows that are very strong. If you look at their superhero shows, um, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Now it's a lot better, but they used to have a horrible screen. Well, let me enlighten you then. Yeah. I am the national co-chair of the Screen Actors Girls After LGBTQ Committee. I created it with Duncan Crabtree Island 15 years ago. So these things that you think that you read about actors, they will, that means everybody from a starring role to a one line is, is, is done as equal. So if a white guy stars in a movie and you have 10 black people playing small parts, but the doctor hears your chart, they are graded the same way. So that even though they're saying, hey, this movie is using more people of color, they're not using them in leading roles. They're using gotcha. them in smaller roles. So that happens, and then they'll put out these, uh, these, these percentage things through GLAAD. And it's a Screen Actors Guild. Do you know how they do that? Do you know how they decide who is what? No. We, we've just had this discussion because I'm on the diverse, all the heads of the, of the different uh, diversity groups, you know, uh, uh, women, you know, women's committee, uh, seniors, uh, black, Asian, gotcha. all, the, all the different groups. They do it by the producer looks across the room, looks at you, and decides what you are, and they put it on a card. Really? So they can. I, I went to the uh, Blackish. What's the spin off to that called? Um, Ronish. Mm-hmm. I went to the, the Emmy party for that. Okay. And so many people came over. They said, you know, there's a part coming over with a guy who's half Jewish and half black. And since you're that, we thought we'd be great for this part. So I, since I shaved my head 10 years ago, tons and tons of black people always think I'm half black. I get it all the time. Only from black people. So someone could see me across the room and think that, even though I'm not. I'm Russian Polish. That's interesting. So that's the way they decide that. What did you see at Warner Brothers? Because we're trying happy to do with. that. We're trying to do that. So well, I, I, like I said, I think it was it was doing real. research on the past. But it's not real. But right, it's not a real. I didn't. Well, I didn't know that. But they talked about different things, and yeah, it, they're not allowed to act legally. So what we're trying to do, it's like after I volunteer there, is we're trying to get people to self-identify who they are. So you can say I'm white, I'm gay, and I'm right. age, and I'm. Well, that's what we need. Like I said, I feel better about it now because I'm I'm a huge superhero mm-hmm. nerd, and so the, the Warner Brothers television part, the CW, they have all these superhero shows on TV that have great diversity. And there's lots great of lesbian time. and gay characters, and they do very well. So it's like I see them doing better, but I was just shocked with the research, how they, how poorly they were now, I understand, portrayed. Yeah, I don't know the truth. All the, all the, uh, on the shows, which a lot of them are done on right. streaming and smaller networks, those are all done with people of color more. And right. Things. But the bigger ones, the Hemsworth brothers, right. Robert Denny Jr., Scarlett Johansson, all the they're they're most of them are white. Right. Yeah, you, you have so, you, uh, so that means that those are the people that get to make the big money, and you have there's no superhero that has, there's a person of weight. Right. They all have to you know have a perfect body. No, it's you true. can't be a superhero unless you work out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, because there's no power except for physical strength. That's yeah. it. Everything else does not matter. If you're Gwyneth Paltrow, you can jump out of an airplane in high heels, and, and your hair can blow it, your wig can blow it, never move. You know, then then that right, then, right. You're, then then you qualify. Right. So those movies, you know, 
All right, we're going to take a break because we need to get into your personal stories a bit here. Um, we're going to play out, speaking of commercialization, which I don't think Taylor Swift has a new song. It debuted yesterday. And um, I think, I'm trying to remember the name. Okay, You Need to Calm Down, yeah. the title of it. Has over 20 cameos of different LGBT YouTube stars, things like that, coming into it. Um, it's specifically for a Pride event. Uh, I think she's... You? Huh? What did you say? Did you say specifically? Specifically. Oh, I think you said specifically. No, specifically. Yeah, I think um, for the LGBT Pride season. Uh, I think she's someone that's kind of evolved. I think she might... We talked a little bit yesterday. Some thought she was a late to the party. I don't think... Oh, I think she? once someone turns... It doesn't matter her age. I think she's like 28 now, maybe. Oh, something like that. But... Um, just that she's been popular for so long, she's just now starting to come with LGBT. But as far as I'm concerned, as soon as you come to the party, you're welcome, girl. Come on in. Because she gave like $13,000 to her home state of Tennessee, the quality fund last year. $13,000 for people to gather signatures and stuff. Not a lot of money from her. That's a good chunk of money from somebody to do something right, which is good. So we're going to go ahead and play out with that. Chris is in Ohio. My intern, Chris, has been great at helping us all this month while we've been here. Chris, go ahead and play a little Taylor Swift, and we'll be back. We're going to get a little more in-depth with Jason Stewart and Matt Wall. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Are we off the air? We're not. We're still on. Hello, everyone. Chris, where are you? Play a song for me. I'll play some Adam Lambert. It's pride. There you go.
part of who I the gravitas of who I am from doing stand up for so many years. Right. Also from acting for so long. It's sort of a grand down. When, when, what's the, the guy version? It's not grand down. Grand. So that is what it is. No, is it grand down? <laughs> In the gay world, it is. It's, it's, I don't know. Matt is so bitter. Party of one. <laughs> I don't know. Bitter. No, but this guy, this guy is not funny because he is by accident. Um, I had to gain 15 pounds for the part. And uh, I'm still trying to lose it. Uh, <laughs> and my ex boyfriend, Giuseppe, says to me, he says, Oh, honey. I've lost five. He says, don't get too skinny. I like you the way you are. And then I said, God, i got to marry you before Trump has you deported. <laughs> and? And he got one back to his ex. Oh, bastard. Well, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to see it tomorrow afternoon. It's going at to be the Theater at 115. You should get there. One, if you're here at Palm Springs, or, you know, try to get your tickets online at the Palm Springs International Short Fest. Dot org, I think it is. Great, great movie. Um, a wonderful actor named Jay Disney. Thank you for asking that. Uh-huh. He's so wonderful and so supportive, and he's got a killer body, and he's just gorgeous. And he's coming. He plays my singer husband, who's a country singer. Nice. It's really weird, you know. And I play someone who works for, I think I wash dogs at a veterinarian. <laughs> I mean, it's like something I would never do, you know. Wow. You know? That is kind of cool. I love that. And then speaking of your comedy, um, you were so kind. You invited me down to San Diego last week. We were performing at Martinis Above Fourth. What a great place. Wasn't that a gorgeous room? My first time there. That's my, I, I wanted to see you kind of, but I really wanted to see the room because yeah. I just heard so much. So many great people play there. It's like the Purple Room here or the Copa it's or amazing. the Oscars. Yeah. It's amazing. And a good crowd. I, th- I thought it was a very good crowd. Um, but you were fantastic. I've only got to see your specials and DVDs and, and stuff on YouTube. Right. And in person, you are so gregarious. And so, like you said, you command the room. Um, and I didn't know you were a situ. I call it situational. Maybe I'm wrong. Where you play more off the audience than you have your uh, written I'm, material. You I'm, play I'm, off the well, audience. If you see me again, you'll see all the lines. Well, I see you go back. You have a notebook, and so you have things that you're going to. But I, but it is very well, situational. That, I have so much new stuff that I wanted to say, but I have. I always say if Joan Rivers and Don Rickles would have a child, it would be me. <laughs> I like that. That sounds very, that's yeah, very and, uh, I realize that the best thing that I do is, is interweave through the audience. And every time you come and see my show, it's never going to be exactly the same. It's going to be a show that's just for you. And that's fun for me. And right now I just stand up for fun. People always say, you know, God, you've been a stand up so long, you have such a, a, an ability to do that. Don't you invite big show with people to come see you. And I go, no, rarely do I do that. The reason is, as a gay person, there is no part for a 50-ish, you know, gay man. Right. Except for maybe Richard E. Grant and, you know, Will You Ever Forgive Me? And he's straight and likes to wear high heels. So he got the part that I would have loved to have had the opportunity to just audition for. Right, right. So there, there are no parts for me. So I play mostly villains, bad guys and managers and dads and you know, things like that, and private detectives or that kind of stuff. Well, we talked a little bit. you got to go back and check out Jason's interviews, because I think last time we did talk, you have one coming up where you're a private detective, I think, it's coming up. up. Yeah. And so that's abducted. coming pretty close. It's a very straightforward movie. I don't know if it's your fan, but it's called Abducted. And Michael Urie is in it, and his real-life husband. But it has, if you ever saw Ransom with Bill Gibson, this is sort of a poor man's version of that. 
wife who was the one whose father. She's the dad. He's the dad. That would be that would be uh, this other guy who's really this half Asian, half white guy who's just gorgeous. His name is uh, Joseph Daniel or Daniel Joseph. I think it's Daniel Joseph. Really nice guy. He also produced the film. He's the male who gives his part. Oh, nice. And then uh, you know the heavy set guy from Borak who runs around who ran around naked with him. Oh, the, okay, from Borak. Yeah, all right. He plays his best friend in it, and uh, Michael Yuri and his husband play his uh, wife's brother and uh, brother's husband. So there's gay characters in the film, but really has nothing to do with the story. And they're, taking, and they're taking care of the, uh, his, his, their niece while uh, the father is on the road as a truck driver because his wife died. And he, I guess he was in and people in his, uh, he was in uh, Afghanistan and his okay. uh, people died. He wasn't able to recover from it. So he goes away and just becomes a truck driver and they have a party and somebody steals the kid. And I am the sidekick to the beautiful girl who's a detective who has this hairdo, you know, and makeup and eyelashes. And she had time for my woman the, the day or night when they called her. She was ready and she was gorgeous. <laughs> and I kind of like hate scenes and I walk around. You guys can't see me, but I walk around. I have glasses on my head and I say things like, yeah. Yeah. I can find anything out here. Are we? Okay. I'm not in the room. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not here. Yeah, he's going to get up. Yeah. So it's the gay fault that she gets stolen. It's, no, basically. Hmm. Well, no, it, it's not really. Trust she, him like kid. It's not any. It's not anybody's fault really. <laughs> but it, you'll see it if you go see the movie. It's, it's a good story. I'm and I, I play. I, I just I based the whole uh, character on my brother, who is slightly irritated for like um, forever. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. It scares me just because he actually bought my book. The. Uh, Publisher at CCB, not publishing, would send me all the people's names who bought it through him. I, won't, I can't, like, there's stuff right. in Barnes and Noble and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they pre orders. But I can't, no, no, they, they, there's no more pre orders. You could buy it now. But that, they, they don't show you who buys it. But the, the company that actually publishes my book, CCB Publishing, they have a site. So he sends me the emails and said, and my brother bought the book. And I thought, oh my God, I hope I didn't say anything. I thought he'd never buy it. Because he hasn't liked me since, let me think, since I was born. <laughs> Well, let's transition into the book. We just have a couple minutes left here for that. Talk about the title came from your mother. My mom, shut up, I'm talking. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's about my life. It's a memoir, and it's about what it's like to grow up being openly gay in, a, in the, in the uh, movie TV business. It's also about what it's like when I was in the closet and how I came to it and how I got judged. It's also really funny. There's a, you know, they talk about being, there's a whole chapter called Comedy Isn't Pretty, taken from the Steve Martin uh, album. A lot of the titles for everything, of the chapters or things in my, are taken from songs. My father, you know, the whole chapter of my dad, how they, they ran from the Nazis. And uh, my father was in the Holocaust. He was uh, not in the camps, but in all the ghettos. Okay. And his chapter's kind of called, kind of moved, got to get out. <laughs> My mother getting pregnant and getting married is called It Was the Worst of Times. It Was the Worst of Times. Oh, and, my goodness. And, you know, talk about friendships. I talk about mentoring kids. I have a chapter called Sadie, Sadie, about these lesbians. Is there anything them. hard to write in it? That you... Oh, my God. The hardest thing to write is probably the thing about my dad and the Holocaust. And there's a chapter called All, All the Men I've Loved Before about that. That was really hard for me. Because I researched my first boyfriend and found out that he, had, that he was dead, that he died 
10 years ago. He was 10 years younger than me. He died very young. Wow. And I didn't know that. And just, you know, I would, I think, because I'm actually thinking about moving to Palm Springs part-time, and, and I'm thinking, and somebody said to me, why would you move here? I said, because in Los Angeles, I have been a complete failure with every man that I've been involved in. So basically, the you know, moving here, I, I couldn't do any worse. There you go, 50-50 shot. There yeah, you go. I like it. Shot, they said it will be better than zero. Didn't your mom used to live here, and you brought her to L.A., and now you're, now you're running away from home? No, or what's I, would bring, I would bring her back here. Okay. She wants to come back. It'll be three years. Did she like it? I'm, try, I'm trying to get my mom to like Palm Springs. It's not happening. Really? Yeah, she doesn't like the heat. She doesn't like, I don't well, know. It is hot. It is hot. She doesn't like the heat she wants. My mom loves the heat. She loves mm. the dryness. Does your mom ever have dryness? Yeah. Oh, really? She's going to feel so much better physically. Yeah. I think that's their tagline. Palm Springs is great for people with arthritis. <laughs> I think it's on that's the welcome a, That's it's, the new tagline. There's a bitterness there. <laughs> Someone's so young. They're so young. It's not bitterness. You're using the wrong adjectives. I, I do, too. All right. Well, Jason anyway. Stewart. <laughs> Just like, you can't think he wants this. But come on. Arthritis, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a thing. People have it. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're having an uncomfortable This moment. is going so <laughs> where I was expecting it. All right, well, Jason Stewart, what else do we have to talk about? You have two more minutes here. Finish up. What, uh, what I'm really talking about a movie coming out in the fall called Immortal, and I play a, a private investigator, and I've never played that before, so that was really fun. I actually wore the shirt that I'm wearing now in the movie. A private dick? No, I'm a private investigator. Oh, investigator. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> and then it's called Immortal. It's attractive. I, I, Dylan Baker from Homeland. Ooh. Um, oh, God. Uh, American Peoples uh, from everything. From everything, yeah. Uh, uh, Sam from Levine from Freaks and Geeks. And, and, oh, nice. Uh, and then Gloria's Bastards. And, uh, Robin Bartlett from Mad About You and all the Mike Nichols films. And she's great. It's about these four different people that die, but then they never die. And I play this really intimidating guy who's a private investigator. And I have this long five or six minute scene and in a movie for a character actor. That's a lot. And um, I get to talk to him about these, this body thing. And he's so funny in it. And I'm just very straight in it. You know, talk like this. And I go, you know, so I do that. And then I have another film called The Fair with this gorgeous man. I, I bet you never see me. Just my voice. I play a, a dispatcher, the dispatcher. The thing. affair or affair? The affair. The affair, okay. The affair, like uh, in a taxi, you know, I play like a Danny DeVito. This, this okay. Guy. I talk like this the whole time. <laughs> and what do you think? You're going to do this? You didn't go where you Yes and no, no, yes, yes, no, where you're going. Like, huh? <laughs> I do that, and I play this character. I play it. It's the first time I've been in a movie where I just play this voice. Nice. Yeah, it's to be, be nice if you had Disney bucks behind it, but it's got to be fun. Oh. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm just glad to be working. You know, I got a number of. Well, you are always busy. I mean, you always have something we can talk about, and I always appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know where they can follow you on all the fun just things. Just go to jasonstewart.com. S T U A. We talked about that last time. It's a gorgeous new website. Oh, you saw the new site? Yes, of course. It's gorgeous. We talked about it last time you're on the show. You've had it for a couple months now. You were on, I think, in April. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. But it's a, it's a gorgeous website. You it's check it out. All the kinks are out of it. And they have a thing that pops up. 
Because the minute you click through the book, it says, buy my book. And you're oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. It's new. We're all in the same because I'm older than it. Whether they're 
um, athletes or entrepreneurs or. And where are they going to do this at in Irvine? What's the important thing? Irvine, it's called um, Work Studio. It's an actual gym. Okay. Um, we're using their space. You can find the Eventbrite. It's all free. Eventbrite link um, on my Instagram. My Instagram is Maddie3, Maddie with a Y. I'm sure if you also go to Eventbrite, you can Google Lululemon Event. So Lululemon's not a person's name. No, no. It's a, just a company for cool people. Just so, for the cool people. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're into it. But anyway, <laughs> um, there's that. I'm doing that with them. Um, and then, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I'm honored to be asked to, to host the event. Um, well, you're, you're such a good spokesperson for those things, and I've followed you along on, on different venues that you've worked with. What about it is, is in your wheelhouse? What do you like about doing the hosting of the events, and what's kind of, what kind of draws you to those kind of things? Because you're such a good moderator. I mean, on the radio show, you're a moderator. Let's talk about what interests you in that part of it. I think just, like, quick, I went to theater school. I was an actor, and I love acting. I love I loved being something I was not. Um, but what I found with, with hosting um, David Cruz's show, Finding Cupid, is I love being myself. I love being able to, like, interject my own thoughts or be witty when maybe that character that I was playing wasn't funny. I... I want to be funny. I want to be silly, and I find that being able to host and yeah, I I just really gravitate towards that. You bring it's people together. Cool. Thank you. I that you, is like you're my able to bring people together. Sense of humor and quirkiness, and I, that, that's that's what a host does. And, and also, you really are a great host too, because you're able to keep no matter what happens, you're able to keep us on track. He thinks he's right. Yeah. He thinks he's actually running this show. You're running the show. Not at all. I also think you can. You are so great at making everyone feel equally important, no matter what who they are, and that is a great skill. Okay. And I can't sing, I can't act, but I can host the hell out of something. I, so I appreciate. I just I, like my passion is to have people come to events and be seen and be heard, whether you're a participant or you are there because you're in, you know on a panel. Right. Is I want everyone to feel like they are of worth and to come away just maybe a skosh smarter than when they left. I love that. Clubbing up the secret. That's what I try to do. I come from a fan's point of view, and I think if you're not coming at an event from truly appreciating what it's about, I think it's very hard. And I think that's where your genuineness comes in and everything and really your strength. Because if you don't have an appreciation for what you're doing and what it's about, it's hard to fake it. People are going to know that. Yeah. And so Thank I you. appreciate that. I'm excited. And anyone can come, for real. I would love to see anyone there. We will give that information out again at the end here. Let's also talk about – now this is something that might interest Jason. We'll get Jason back in because you're also working with a dating app now. Oh. And Jason just might need a little hookup here. So you remember Craigslist? Of course. Yes. Well, it went away. All the first ones went away. They took it down because of human trafficking or something bad like that. There's a new website called DoubleList.com. And it is. It looks like Craigslist. It's like, hi, I want you to come over and do such and such with me, or I would just want to go on a date. It's anything and everything. Doublelist.com. Get on there. People are loving it because you don't have to make a profile like Scruff or Grinder or and and and. Right. You just get on. You look. You post. You can swap pics if you want. It's all through email. Excuse me. And 
most of any uses are straight men trying things out, so wink. Interesting. Wink, wink. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm hoping to start working with them just on a little bit of user stuff, like who's joining, how are they being taken care of. Um, They want content. You're going to moderate it, or what do you? I hope to do both. Just create a little bit of content. Um, They're finding that a lot of people don't know what they're doing in life, especially if they're trying to go on dates. I'd love to help ease someone into that. You know, if you've never dated a man before, this is what you should and shouldn't do or and or say. Nice. Um, they want to do a little bit of sex ed on there. Uh, they want to have people on there that you could hire to um, get advice from in dating. So I hope that that can be something cool. I love that. You could just, you know, like book a quick session with a dating coach. Because Craigslist was all about the personals. I mean, I didn't really care about the garage sale happening down the street, right? Exactly. So this is kind of cool. Yeah. They brought the and it's the funnest part of Craigslist back to the life. The fun, dirtiest, slimiest part that everyone loves. <laughs> and, I, and honestly, like, it's just humorous to, to read and, yeah, converse with people. I because not everyone wants to be on a dating site. And right. I, yeah, I think that there should be something for everyone. All right, well, they need to follow you on your social. Give everyone your social again. Maddie3 is where you can find me. That's on the Instagram. That's the best way. Super duper. Jason Stewart at jasonstewart.com, correct? Yes, Jason Stewart at jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. On my social media is there. You can buy the book there. You can see where I'm going to be playing, any movies that are coming up. And I also talk to everybody on all my social media. There you go. Jason is very kind. Despite what it, Matt thinks of. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Jury's still out. <laughs> Just kidding. Come here. We're having a great time here. Guys, thanks for coming out to Palm Springs. We're, Jason, we're going to be there tomorrow at 1.15. Yeah. Yes. But arrive at 1 o'clock and get, or get a ticket online. And there I'll be go. there in person. So I'd like to say hello to everybody. Congratulations. All right. Anyway. Guys, yeah. thanks for coming out. We're going to go ahead and take a quick song break. When we come back, We'll be talking to the founders of the Filmmakers Gallery here in Palm Springs, Paul and Steve. We're going to play out a little bit of Ginger Minge, I Am What I Am, in celebration of Pride Month. Guys, thanks for listening to Left to Straight. We'll be back next Monday and Tuesday for our very last episodes uh, while here in Palm Springs. Chris, take it away. I am what? I am, I am my own special creation, so come take a look, give me the hook or the ovation It's my world That I want to have A little pride in My world And it's not a place I have to hide in Life's not worth a damn Till you can say, hey world, I am what I am.
my own drum. Some think it's noise. Well, I think it's pretty. And so what if I love each feather and each bangle? Why not try to see life from a different angle? Your life is a sham till you can shout out loud. I am what I am. I am what I am. And what I am needs no excuses. I steal my own deck sometimes. Sometimes the deuces There's one life And there's no return and no deposit One life So it's time to open up your closet Life not worth a damn Till you can say Hey world, I trouble coming in from LA. So I'm excited to bring you an interview I planned to air on the drive back to Ohio, but we are lucky to have them here today. Uh, I came across these guys last year by accident. I was bebopping around Palm Springs, and our good friend Terry Ray actually introduced me this year to the founders of the Filmmakers Gallery right here in Palm Springs. What started in Long Beach back in 1912 has been a fixture here of Palm Springs and the Coachella Valley for the last couple of years, and the founders are here to talk to me today by phone, but we're going to talk about the live event they have going on tonight. So please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Paul Belcito and Stephen Roche. Guys, how are you doing today? Hey, hey Scott. Great. Hey, Scott, how are you? I am doing great. It was great to meet you the other day. Thank you so much for the very kind invite last week. We got to go out and see Billy Cliff little soiree for him and the almost 10-year anniversary of baby Jane. What a fantastic event you guys put on. Thank you so much for inviting me to that. Oh, thank you for the kind words, and and thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Yeah, we just have the best time putting on events like we we bring here to Palm Springs. We used to do this in Long Beach where we had our brick-and-mortar filmmakers gallery, and we did it there for about six years or so. So we're so thankful and and, – lucky that after moving here we seem to have grown oh my gosh so much bigger and better than we ever were when we were in long beach so it's quite a delight <laughs> to uh see, see these events turn out well so thank you for for the compliment well that's amazing like i said i came in contact with you guys last year because you've been playing at quads now for a little while we'll talk about that in a second 
but I really wanted to get to meet you, and I was so happy that Terry Ray introduced us. Um, I want to talk about, I mean, we're, I, I'm excited we can do this tonight because you guys are actually having an event, as we say this, we're pre-taping this morning, but this evening, you guys are actually having an event at Quads. Talk about bringing what you do there. Talk about the venue. Um, I was so excited. You get an amazing tribute to Tim Conway when I got in town a couple weeks ago. But tonight you have a special tribute oh, as well. Great. Talk about tonight's show. Well, you know, um, we had already been with full running speed uh, with doing monthly events at the Palm Springs Cultural Center, which was formerly Camelot Theaters, but they still identify themselves as Camelot Theater inside the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Uh, we've been right. going ever since we embarked on our very first screening there back in October of 2017, I believe. Yep. And uh, it was a, our very first movie. It was a vampire-themed movie called – which one? You guys know. Oh, I know. Okay. But uh, I was just saying, since the very first one – Husband has to put his two cents in here. It's like, make sure you stay focused, Mr. Paul Bell. You know, <laughs> I was just saying real briefly, like how it all started since we arrived was our very first screening at the Palm Springs Cultural Center, and um, the name of the film was Vampire Boy. Vampire Boy. Sorry, I had I had a brain cloud there, um, which embarked us onto doing what we do is deliver screenings with special guests. So. We were full force with that, and um, then, you know, I realized that in between, from one month uh, event to the next month there, there was so much time that I feel like, gosh, you know. We could be doing something else. We could be else. doing something else. <laughs> and one of our friends says, you know, that quads place seems like the ideal place for you and Steven. And I said, you know, I think you have a great, you know, uh, lead and I'm going to talk to uh, the people that, you know, the owners and, and the guy that runs the place. So set up a short little meeting, and, and long story short is they wanted to try out something that I used to do with Stephen at the Filmmakers Gallery, the original brick and mortar in Long Beach. And what we would do is we would do not only a screening event but with the special guests, but I would show clips and things that I would lift from, like, their website or from YouTube clips that they'd have. But, but wrapped around uh, But wrapped a around theme. a theme and wrapped around something where people could get an education by learning from some of these clips and seeing the person, you know, further into their background. So I said, you know, the screening place at the Palm Springs Cultural Center, you know, usually, you know, all you can do is show the movie and then talk to the guests for I took it one step further with quads. So what's different about quads is it's more like uh, an intellectual event with more insight and more clips that I can add and not per se show an entire film, um, but right. more more collection of clips and music videos. So, well, and, and actually um, we being uh, filmmakers ourselves, we thought, you know, we wanted to connect with other um people involved in film and TV and even theater here in the Valley. So we created the uh, Filmmakers Gallery. It's actually sub-dubbed the Filmmakers Gallery, you know, Cinematastic. And that was Paul's idea. But we wanted to bring people together. I mean, obviously open to anyone, but we thought, well, it'd be great. A great way to meet other people involved in film, TV, and theater in the Valley would be to create a weekly meetup event. So that's kind of, and if they want to meet, and, you know, personally and date, whatever, we thought, well, it'd be fun to, to do a meetup 
every Tuesday night, but then wrap it around, you know, bringing what, what we know, which is um, uh, putting together a different theme and kind of having that be the backdrop. So it's not your typical bar scenario where it's just a music video or just music. It could be whatever the theme is that night. So we, we've had a ball with that so far. That's and, great. And Mark, it's a that's great a nice theme. Oh, yeah, it's a nice theme. It's um, to pay tribute to Doris Day and her wonderful career of all her great films uh, and, and television, and television um, um, projects. And recording. And, and also to highlight her, her uh, professional recordings and um, some short little interviews and a commentary on a couple of films and even a very rare clip of Rox Hudson being interviewed about um, working with Doris Day, which is very rare. So what I uh, try to do is I, I go on YouTube, do a lot of research, and because it's covered under the Fair Rights Youth Act, um, I'm able to lift those, and I actually edit even what I take from there, so it's even shorter clips most of the time, because uh, we have about a three-and-a-half-hour program, and I know that sounds long, but the way I look at it as is if you were walking to a bar for two, three hours, there's a DJ playing for the entire time, and nobody even really yeah. thinks twice about that. You know, you just want to be entertained. Right. You want to feel the vibe, and you want to feel good. So that's pretty much what I do. I'm a VJ there, and I also work with um, a great guy that, that has been there for quite some time. Diva David, Diva David is his, his playing name, and, and he helps operate the sound and, and the, the video mix um, live while I'm there, but I hook up my entire show, which I edit, and it takes me pretty much like three or four days of, you know, doing research and, and, and doing all that and making it just right. You know, I'm a perfectionist, so whatever you see is going to be as, as good as I'll allow it to be. <laughs> right. well, I, I'm proud of my husband because um, I came home last uh, August, and Paul said, look what I made today, and I'm looking over his shoulder, I'm like, oh, how'd you do that? And he goes, well, there's a program as part of our Max. And, and basically, he self-taught himself how to edit, but Paul's really good with story also. So he took his love of, of story and editing, and he's become really adept at putting these evenings together. And they're, I'm really proud of him because they're just uh, um, they're fun, and they get emotional sometimes. And, and it really gives people a, a well-rounded view of, especially if it's, like we did a tribute to Carol Channing, one to Kay Ballard, you know, Doris Day, Tim Conway. Rock Hudson was the house was full. You could yeah. it was packed wall to wall people in there. But we also have done like the history of television commercials, the history of comedy on film, um, uh, a Tony Award preview night that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I try and well, talk be about that for a second. I, I mean, you guys are doing this now every Tuesday. How do you keep coming up with these amazing ideas? That's a lot of content. Because I'm creative. You know, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be Walt Disney. And to, just to give you a little idea how my mind is always spinning, at like nine, ten years old, I created my own little magic kingdom in my parents' backyard, and I like built like my like my own like roller coaster, which I made out of a cooler, which wow. I had the That's lid fantastic. removed and I cut a little door out for the kids to climb in and it was bolted on a skateboard and <laughs> I'd give them rides around the backyard. I had a ticket booth. I had a little girl younger than me that was probably like seven 
who I hired as my little ticket girl, <laughs> and I made tickets, and I would sell the tickets to the kids on the block, and they'd pay money, 50 cents Except for a ticket. One mother, ticket got, one mother got mad and went, went storming down the street to Paul's mom and, and demanded a refund. She goes, your son took money from my daughter. <laughs> So oh I was gosh, a businessman back then doing creativity uh, and bringing it to where I lived. <laughs> but, but in all honesty, I, like we just booked um, comedian, uh, I, I'm sure you know him, comedian Jason Stewart, and um, he's like, I want to play a quad. So we just booked him for Tuesday, October 22nd, and he has a new book he just wrote, his first book that came out. And so we're going to do an evening with uh, Jason Stewart and a book signing. So, yeah, so people people are kind of approaching us. And um, every time, usually at breakfast, we'll think of uh, a theme or an idea, and we, and we jot them down. So he actually was thinking, well, how are we going to come up with 52 ideas a year? And, and, and it's actually been really easy and, and really fun. I mean, there's an endless an endless supply of, you know, TV stars, movie stars, and and different different things to do. So, well, that's perfect also, synergy yeah. because I didn't tell you who our live guest was today, but our live guest is Jason Stewart. Right before this interview, so we'll be talking about uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Everything he's actually really excited. I love that. That's <laughs> fantastic. All right, well, since it's Pride Month, I want to talk to you guys a little bit. Let's get a little background on you. I've been asking all of my guests, um, when did you first come out to yourself, and what does Pride mean to you? Uh, We'll go ahead and start with you, Paul. Okay, I came out um, shortly after I ended my relationship with my girlfriend, who I didn't really have a steady girlfriend until I was believe it or not, 20 years old. I mean, I had other little girlfriends here and there, but this was a steady girlfriend. And she ended up being Miss Huntington Beach years later, like two or three years later, she became Miss Huntington Beach and very involved in the community. But I ended things very abruptly. um, And I knew because we were going to try to experiment, you know, like both going to bed together and it just, I could not go through with it. So I (laughs) didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to hurt her. And so I I remember I had to get away. I drove all the way out to Brea because I lived in Orange County, grew up in Orange County, Huntington Beach to be precise. And I went to my favorite cousin's house and I basically came out to her and uh, she really helped me in so many ways. And my fear was, you know, I went over there on a Friday. The fear was coming back home on a Sunday. And how I would ever tell my parents, it just, I couldn't even fathom it. So I get home, and I remember this like yesterday. I walk in, and my mom comes down, meets me in the kitchen, because it was kind of late. By then, I got home at, like, maybe, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And that was late back then, you know. And for me to get home, my parents, or my mom was, was like, um, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And I got this weird feeling in my stomach, like, okay, um, I think this is it. And she said, you know, I want to know why you and Kara broke up. I have to know the answer. She goes, I'm really, really uh, afraid to ask this question. And, and I'm like, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. And she says, did you get her pregnant? <laughs> oh no! I'm like, oh, oh, I'm no. like, oh my God! Sigh of relief, sigh of relief. But then, 
you know, 30 seconds later, I'm like, but as soon as I answer this, uh, she's going to probably keep asking. So when I told her, absolutely not, she goes, okay, the second question, and then drum roll, please, and it was, are you gay? No, she didn't ask, are you gay? She said, do you like girls? And I paused, and I said, I, I looked at her, and I looked down, and I, I remember now, I shook my head like, no. And then she said, do you like any girls? And I shook my head back and forth, no. And she says, I kind of figured because your sisters had warned me about this and that this is probably <laughs> was going to come out sooner or later. And um, she did not take it very well. She cried for about two weeks straight. But my father, believe it or not, who is an ex-Marine, he was the city administrator of Huntington Beach, very political, very Republican. I was so afraid to have my father find out. And actually, it was the opposite of how I thought. My mom was the one that was more freaked out. My dad actually came up to my room because I hid from my dad as soon as my mom found out. And I remember I went in there, locked the door, and I was like, oh, please, dear Lord, don't let him come up here. right Not right now. I'm not ready. And then knock, knock, knock. He's like, son, can you open the door? I said, yes, dad. I knew that this this was not going to end well. I opened the door, and he goes, your mother told me. Uh, it's hard for me to say this because it reminds me of back then. I'm sorry. Right. But um, he said, um, you know, your mother told me uh, what you told her, and uh he said, it doesn't matter to me that you're gay, and I love you no matter what. Oh, that's and amazing. He took me in his arms, and he held me, and we kind of cried together. And he said, I just am worried about your future down the road and that, that your life is going to be really, really tough, and I'm just worried for your safety. That's the most part that I'm most concerned about, but he backed me up and he said, you're my son and I love you no matter what. So to me, I was shocked because I was really afraid that I was going to have to be, you know, kicked out of the house. I had no idea that my dad right. would take it so well. So yeah, because back during that kind of time period era, the, you know, mid to late seventies and early eighties, Paul and I both we knew people and heard stories about people that came out to their family and they were kicked out of the house and, and the family refused to speak to them and everything. So that was um Yeah. So for for me I um uh I went from high school immediately to uh I got an amazing job. Uh kind of a long story, but the short story long as I love to say is I got hired as a dancer at Disneyland the parade. And I did that uh, for a couple of years in the early 80s. And um, I thought it was it was uh, kind of a, a surreal slice of reality. And it opened my eyes because literally the straight men, straight boys that were dancers at Disneyland, they were the 10%. They were the minority because the other 90% of us were gay. <laughs> so uh, right, it, right. it kind of um, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, well, and 
a lot of them were open and the older guys were very free and open. And so that kind of started to change my perspective. And then when I was uh, 21, about 21, I came out to my family and my dad said exactly when Paul and I first met that the stories are exactly identical. I kind of lined my family up in the living room and I, um, well, I kind of said at first, well, I'm, bisexual because I had a girlfriend at the time That's what I said too. and then I really it was kind of like I kind of knew in my heart of hearts well um for me it was kind of like well that the glasses have empty half full and maybe I'll get him used to that idea and then I'll spring the rest of it on him but but basically they, they knew that I was coming out and that I was gay and my brother just looked at me and uh, my older brother and he said um pulled me aside after after we all kind of gave a big sigh of relief and I said, oh, it feels like cinder blocks have been lifted off my shoulder. I've been carrying around this heavy burden of cinder blocks since I was like five, six years old because I, I knew at a really early age. And my brother's like, well, I hate to break it to you, but we all kind of knew like way back when. I said, thanks a lot. I wish you would have clued me in because I've been carrying around these cinder blocks for like, you know, 15 years. Yeah. And um, right. but my dad grabbed me and said the same thing. He gave me a hug and a kiss and said, I'll always love you no matter what. And uh um, both our moms had issues for a little while, and um, and then I wasn't ready at 23, but at age 24, I met somebody who was uh, 17 years older, and I thought he was younger, and he thought I was older, so we kind of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, not, not visually, but we sort of emotionally met in the middle, and that was my first long-term relationship, so uh, my mom came around. And she went from, if you ever bring one of those people into my house, you wish you were dead, which I was a little offended. And then she went from that to, um, oh, what does he want for dinner? And I got to make him whatever he wants to coming over for uh, mm. our first Christmas together. And I invited my whole oh, family over for Christmas Eve dinner. And she was totally fine. That's so, great. Uh, and what and does what, pride season mean to you guys? These days? What does pride mean what, to what, you? Oh, I pride. think what pride means to me is um, uh not having to live in nearly as much fear as what we grew up with and um, and to uh, not have to sneak around corners and to just be be the human beings that we are and and um, still keep your guardrail up but but we can you know live in whatever neighborhood whatever house and we can go to the store you know we could do you can be yourself and and you know what I think too Stephen is like pride for us and I can talk to you know, about both of us is like how far we've come from coming out to now. I think pride is a personal thing for a lot of people. And when they, when they walk the parade or they, they, they shout out on, on that particular day or whatever, or pride month, happy pride. You're basically saying, you know, you're proud of yourself. You're proud of how far you've come and living and, and being able to share your experiences with people. But also, um, before we even moved out here, um, uh, Levy and Julie, the owners, publishers of Live Magazine, uh, we were having a drink with them at, at Wang's, and and uh, Levy said, would you guys, we'd love to do a cover piece. And we're like, oh, well, that sounds great. And then after we moved here, he said in September, um, we'd like to put you guys on the uh, on an upcoming cover and do a, do a full article. Are, are you guys up for that? And we're like, sure. So I wound up publishing on my actual birthday, um, December 6, 2017. So um, we, we've kind of 
been growing in our pride together. We we got married in uh, May 10th of, of 2014, and uh, our wedding was a little bit a little bit tinged uh, political here and there. We were, we were married by the head of the ACLU Los Angeles at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And um, we, we weren't really setting out to make a statement, but I think kind of looking back subconsciously, our wedding was kind of our, it was kind of like our big public coming out, if you will. Yeah, because it just had passed. It all the yeah, it married to this. became legal. And so for us, that, that's another aspect of pride to answer that question full circle. But, our relationship, we were able to actually celebrate our relationship as an official married couple with with no, like, regrets. Well, and then when, when that cover came out, we were like, oh, we were really proud of it and had pride. But then, you know, um, we, you know, we thought, well, this is great. But it was, um, it was just an interesting way to sort of um, be introduced to Palm Springs. And, uh, yeah, we're really uh, proud that Levy and Julie uh, did that for us. But uh, so it kind of was our entree into into the community here in the Valley. That's amazing. I love that story. That's terrific. Now talk about um, we have you have this relationship. How did this relationship come together with the cultural center there? And you guys are doing projects there every month now. Um, talk about the relationship and talk about what you have coming up for July. Sure. So, so basically, when we moved out here, um, Paul was like saying we we still had our brick and mortar open in Long Beach, and we had a filmmaker friend of ours running that. And then we felt, especially Paul, like, hey, it's kind of like we moved here, but we left our child in a hundred and twenty miles away. And what do we do? And and Charlie was saying maybe within a year or so we would do another brick and mortar. And I said I I think um, I'm not a big fan of brick and mortar um, with all the expense and the headache that goes with the physical aspect of it. So I, I, um, I called Michael Green at the, uh, Michael Carroll Green at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. He's the executive director. He's known him for and a while. We had actually met him like four years before we moved out here. Uh, we came out for um, Kramer. a Stanley Kramer event and we're good friends with uh, Stanley Kramer's uh, widow, Karen and, and daughter, Kat and, and their daughter, Jennifer. So I pitched him for about 10 minutes, and Michael just stopped me. This was in uh, August of 2017. And he goes, well, I mean, I've been following you guys, you know, for years. And he's like, okay. So I, here I'm doing this big pitch. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay. He goes, sure. He goes, well, um, do you want a once-a-month slot? I'm like, sure. So the whole the whole pitch and, ex- and accepting and everything, the whole deal was done over the phone, like, in less than 10 minutes. And we launched with uh, wow. this thing earlier with the uh, an independent Charlie Vaughn's independent, very independent, uh, gay film with gay vampires called Vampire Boys, and the poster art was all these very good-looking young men in their twenties with no shirts on. So we're like, you know, hey, what the hey? I said, you know, we don't have a lot of time to advertise, so we uh, they posted it, and we let a few people know about a week and a half in advance, and we went up on stage for the first time to introduce ourselves in the filmmakers gallery concept and we had about 65 almost 70 people show up with virtually no wow. no warning so we're like okay maybe we're onto something because our, our small space in long beach our maximum capacity was like 25 30 people max so all of a sudden we thought well we're testing the waters this is great so um yeah to date i think our, our biggest attendance was uh tippy hedron in january of 2018 and 
we had about 390 people show up for Tippy and a book signing and everything else. Yeah, so. it was great. It was, it was great to meet these people, you know, because we know a lot of people already in the industry because Stephen's background is the industry, and he used to be right. – um, tell, tell me briefly about your background. That was the, uh, the former uh, – one of the vice presidents of the International Documentary Association, and and uh, when I was on the board um, – Every every time somebody said we need a we need someone to head this committee, I would just say okay. And and one of the first things I did was I served for five years um, in the 90s, and they said we need someone to uh, chair and put together the annual uh, Academy Award party uh, at the Motion Picture Academy in Beverly Hills for the documentary nominees. And like and I'd been to the event. And I'm like I could do that. And so I kept raising my hand. So I wound up doing that. And I said, what do I do first? And they said, well, you have to go get the guest. And I said, how do I do that? And they said, you have to call around town and find a celebrity who is willing to give up their entire night, zero pay, drive over <laughs> here, host the show, learn a script, and smile for pictures and, and, and meet the guest. So anyway, it was a, an amazing learning experience. And um, that's kind of what started my passion and interest in marketing and PR and, and doing live events. So, And then when Paul and I met, um, same thing. So just we between the two of us, I think we've done over about 225 events so far from uh, 2009, our first gallery till now. So, but coming up on um, on Thursday, July 11th, we're uh, really proud to announce we're bringing back uh, Jerry Torrey and Tony Maeda, who co-wrote a book, The Marble Fawn of Grey Gardens, and we're going to be screening the original classic. Uh, 1975 documentary, Grey Gardens. But what's fascinating, and we uh, brought Jerry out last year and Tony. Um, so when Jerry Torrey was a teenager, he rode his bike up to this old kind of abandoned haunted house uh, looking house and went up on the porch and little Edie uh, flung open the door and she said, you must be the marble fawn. You must be the marble fan of Grey Garden. Yeah, so not only did he wind up becoming the friend, but he actually his his family lived close by, but um but he uh he actually wound up living with uh with the Beals and became their gardener. So he wrote this amazing book with our friend Tony Maeta on meeting Jackie Kennedy and living with the Beals and what that all meant to him. So we're pleased that they're they're both coming back out to do another book signing. Last year we screened um, the Beals the of Grey Gardens, which was the sequel. And then this year we had so many requests, like, hey, uh, you guys should show the original. So that's what we decided uh, we'll do the original Grey Gardens. That is such an iconic now um, show to begin with and all the iterations of it. That's going to be a great event. Well, and Jerry's just the, the greatest guy. He actually um, is an artist and uh, – well, became a sculptor and, and lives in New York City uh, with his uh, partner, fiance. And, um, yeah, so it's funny that, that she called in the marble fauna Grey Gardens because he wound up being uh, – <laughs> he works in uh, stone and marble, and, and he's a, a phenomenal sculptor. So That is so cool. Well, talk about – I mean, what, what do you have in store for the future here? Um these are these are monthly events. You have your weekly events at Quads and your monthly events here with the Cultural Center. Um, talk about what's on your horizon here. What do you have in store? December. Um, well, the, in December, um, we haven't announced yet, but uh, last year 
uh, December of 2018, we created the um, Filmmakers Gallery uh, Margaret O'Brien Legend Award, and we had Margaret O'Brien as our special guest, and she was uh, uh, one of only 11 uh, actors to um, uh, to win the Academy Award for a juvenile performance, and she won for Meet Me in St. Louis with Judy Garland. So, um, so we we invited her out, and we said we'd like to give you this award, but we also want to name it name it for you. So, moving forward, um, every December at the end of the year, we want to give out a Margaret O'Brien Film, Filmmakers Gallery Margaret O'Brien Legend Award. So, this year it's going to be, uh, I believe it's December eighth. And we uh, we haven't announced who the recipient will be, but we're working on that. So we're really thrilled about that. And Margaret was really thrilled. Um, uh, she received a proclamation from the city of Palm Springs from J.R. Roberts, uh, Council Member J.R. Roberts, and um, and um, she was just amazed that that uh, that many people would come out to see her movie. But the other cool thing was. It's the 75th. It uh, was the 75th anniversary of Meet, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. So um, we were saying, you know, it, it's unusual that there would be a performer uh, around 75 years later that, that won an Oscar that could actually come to Palm Springs and talk about uh, working with Judy Garland and behind the scenes. And she just had amazing stories. So and how the Oscar was lost. Yeah, the stolen, Oscar was stolen stolen by a housekeeper when. Margaret was about uh, 10 years old, and it disappeared for, what, like 25 years? And then it wound up at the Pasadena Rose Bowl flea market, and these guys found it, and they bought it. And then when they, they did research, when they realized what it was, they contacted the uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and said, you know, we were at the Rose Bowl flea market, and we think we have Margaret <laughs> O'Brien's juvenile Oscar. And they actually returned it to her, and they had a whole ceremony for her at the academy and everything. So that that's a really interesting story. Wow, that's and awesome! Then, um, I love that. Uh, Jamie Brewer. Oh, also, it's another thing. We uh, we launched the first uh, Palm Springs International Down Syndrome Film Festival last month uh, in May, and our uh, ambassador and keynote speaker was Jamie Brewer, who you may know from uh, American Horror Story, and she was the first model with Down syndrome to walk New York Fashion Week. And uh, she's a, a good friend of ours. She's an advocate. Um, she's been on five seasons. Yeah, she's been on five seasons of American Horror Story. So um, she wants to write and direct. So uh, Paul and I took it upon ourselves, and we talked to her and said, you know what we want to do is we want to produce and help you. We want to produce a short film, and we want to give Jamie the opportunity to um, – to direct it and to co-write it with us. So uh, she's thrilled and we're excited. So we're working on that project. That sounds great. You guys have so many great things in the works here. Well, Palm Springs is oh, lucky you. to well, have you guys. Oh, thank you. you. Well, we're, we're excited. Um, we're already working on uh, next year is the second annual Down Syndrome Film Festival. And our nephew, Ryan, uh, is a uh, multiple Special Olympic uh, medalist. And he was one of our inspirations for doing the festival and, and Jamie and, and the good work that she does. And um, Ryan was our ring bearer in our wedding too. So we thought, well, you know, we have a Down syndrome uh, nephew and 
we thought, well, we, we uh, worked with Gail Ford Williamson, who's the, one of the number one agents in the country that represents uh, actors um, with disabilities. In fact, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, one of Gail's clients, Ali Stroker, just won the uh, Tony Award for Oklahoma for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. So Gail's doing phenomenal work, and her clients are really uh, changing the landscape of how how uh, people in general view um, actors that are, you know, differently abled. And uh, Allie became the first performer in Broadway history to uh, actually be in a wheelchair, but to win a, a competitive Tony Award. That yeah, was huge. I don't huge know if you huge. saw that on the news. It was just uh, amazing to watch. Yeah, I, I, I love that when you hear stories like that. I, I was here, so I missed the Tonys. I was honestly playing by the pool this year. But, yeah, it's amazing <laughs> stuff. I love that. Um, very, very cool. Well, guys, let's go ahead. We need to wrap it up here. Let's go ahead and right. give everyone where they can find you guys. Talk about you have, a, you have um, a hotline where they can find information. You also have a Facebook page. Let them know how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, the Facebook page, I, I t- take pretty much 100% control of that. And um, I always tell people if they're on there, the best thing to do is to like the page. We just got over 3,000 likes. I'm so happy. I think it's like 3,020 up to right now, and they, we just got like 40 this week. So we're really thrilled that we've hit the 3K mark. And uh, if they like it, then they just simply go click events. And I have both the Quads event and the uh, Palm Springs Cultural Center Camelot Theaters events all on there um, for them to know. So people can see, um, you're asking how we come up with the idea, so people can see, oh, okay, well, I'm back in town or whatever, uh, the third Tuesday in August. So uh, we're pretty much filling up the quads Tuesday, so people can look at the whole list and go, oh, I really want to see that person, or I really like that that theme. And then for uh, also for um, uh, Grey Gardens on July 11th, uh, people, again, can go click on the ticket link, at uh, the Filmmakers Gallery Facebook page, or they can go to uh, psculturalcenter.org or Camelot Theaters. So there, there's a couple different ways. Or also it's easy just to go to Eventbrite and click on or type in Palm Springs, and then and then it'll take you to the uh, the direct ticket link for Grey Gardens. Terrific. Guys, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. We're going to have to have you back even when I'm in L.A. for all these great events. Are back in uh, when I'm back in Ohio, we'll have to have you call in for a couple of these events because they are absolutely amazing. Thanks for taking well, time. Thank you. We'll have to have you live on the show next year. This was a fun time. Oh my gosh, thank yes, you. Thank you, Scott, so much for the opportunity. I'm sorry, I got so emotional, it kind of took me back to the past. And so I apologize. <laughs> oh, nothing to um, apologize. Yeah. That makes for great radio, my friend. I loved every second okay. of it. I appreciate you feeling. Uh, that you can open up with my audience. So we all appreciate it. Thank you so no, much. I, I, have really I have fantastic parents. I'm lucky to still have them. Steven, unfortunately, does not have his parents, but mine are actually coming out the end of the month to help celebrate my birthday. So I'm very blessed. So yeah. thank you so much. Fantastic. All right, well, guys, stay on the line for me. We're going to play out with a little bit of Steve Grand. Don't let the light in. Guys, this wraps up week three of the Big Gay Road Trip here in Palm Springs. Thanks so much again to the Indulge Resort and all of our sponsors here. We'll be back next Monday and Tuesday for our last two shows of the trip. So a big shout-out today. Thanks so much to Jason Stewart, to Matt Wall, 
And of course, to my guests here, thank you so much to Stephen and Paul. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is little Steve Grand, All I Want. Come on now, just put your shirt back on or don't. Your skin in that dim light. Oh, no, 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 no. What am I saying? Don't you have a boyfriend? Oh, but of course, he's out of town again. At least he took a cold with. Always on the go, 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 go. But you keep looking at me like that. Me thinking, what you even doing with a boy like that? Does he know you're up to no good? What you even saying? Yeah, I want it bad. Yeah, we shouldn't, but we probably could. Cause you're all I want. Cause you're all I want